you are identifying key problems. Yeah. Like it takes too long for an investor to register and trade. So we're working with CSS to bridge that gap. Okay. It takes it's too expensive to move money. Good morning, my name is Ada Erikebe and you're listening to the Experience Pod. The Experience Center podcast discusses the adoption of relevant emerging technologies and trends for impact-oriented professionals and individuals who demand realistic, thought-provoking perspective on the opportunities and challenges presented by these phenomena in our unique environment. Today, we will zone into the fintech space, the broader challenges in the corporate and capital market. How is this market expanding? How is technology driving new competition and innovation within this market? So addressing those questions will be Mr. Uwa Agbonile, CEO of Infoware, um, a B2B financial software company in Africa. Welcome, Uwa. It's great to have you here. Thank you very much. So please tell us a little bit more about um, InfoWare uh, for the benefit of our listeners too. Okay, so InfoWare, um, what we do really at the end of the day is provide uh, software, enterprise software for buy and sell side institutions. That's one simple word. Just. Mm-hmm. So the sell side, they are the entities like the brokers, people that have provided the bid to the market. Then the buy side, those are uh, like the fund managers, the asset managers, people that uh, do the actual investing, per se. So that's kind of um, the long and short of both sides. Now, in that mix, there's a whole range of services that needs to be provided. Some of them are back office. Back office meaning as, um, like, let's take an example. If you're a regular investor, maybe you have shares or you buy, say, NTN, for example, you go to a broker. That whole process of going to a broker, first of all, they have to do um, register your KYC, there are some rules and regulations and stuff like that. And then when you now, before you purchase, you have to have funds for it. So there's transfer facility that have to go in. Okay. Right. We have to solve that problem. Okay. There's the experience of registering and getting uh, your registration number. We have to solve that problem. Okay. Then there's the experience of knowing what's the risk. Should you buy at that point or not? Right. And it's all real time, okay. uh, connection exchange. Okay. So that's one side of it. Then there's the other side of, okay, you know what? Buying stocks directly may be too risky, it's too problematic. Let me just buy a mutual fund. Okay. And let, let a professional fund manager do all the work mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. and reduces my risk. So a fund manager essentially you're buying to a pot. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you buy a single equity, you're taking the entire risk from that sure. equity. So less sophisticated investors usually best buy fund or an ETF or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. On the fund manager side, mm-hmm. they would, you know, the same kind of rules apply. KYC, you should register, you put the fund, it, they manage the fund, and they do it on a day-to-day basis. So anyway, mm-hmm. you know, our solution handles all of that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so would you, would you say obviously technology has played a major um, role because I'm thinking five, maybe six years ago, uh, the process of buying assets or even buying stock was mm-hmm. a very tedious, very manual, very start in the dark process. So would you say that InfoWay is bridging that gap or has made um, that whole exercise simpler? Absolutely, without a doubt. I call it like an impedance mismatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, use that word. Mm-hmm. Where sometimes you want to do something and something they don't quite gel, sure. they don't quite run very well. So 
part of it was that previously you needed to talk to a broker for literally everything you yeah. needed to do. Yeah. That was a major impedance mismatch. It means I couldn't be at home. No. I couldn't avoid traffic, mm -hmm. go and do stuff. Yeah. But today, you can you can do everything yourself. You can do all the trading, you can transfer your funds and solve the funds transfer problem. You can go online, mm -hmm. either on mobile or desktop, mm -hmm. and do the trade yourself mm -hmm. with no human touch required, right? Then the other portion that's also critical that we're solving, and that's very, very important, is okay, you want to do, you want to buy this thing, and that is real time, you want so, to do it stuff. It's how do I know what I'm doing? How much visibility do I have into the market? How much knowledge do I know about how that equity, that fund, whatever is doing? So the two sides, there's an aspect of it where the fund, while you're in that place where you want to buy and sell that thing, would provide as much information as possible. Mm -hmm. Information that the same professional, other professionals would have. Okay. Now we're bringing the information the professional would have had exclusive rights to. Okay all the way down to the retail space so that everybody feels comfortable. Okay, so would you, would you, would you say that um, you're also providing, safe to say, providing advisory services? So we are not advisory because mm -hmm. we're, as a tech company, we're not uh, mm -hmm. under obligation to provide advisory mm -hmm. services. You're just providing enough information that... We are, I consider us an enabler. Okay. An enabler. So people that do call advisory services, have the software that will enable them to provide that service. Now, having said that, we actually do provide uh, advisory services not for you to go and trade, mm -hmm. but for you to like. Okay. So we have a portal, for example, finance.com. Anybody can go there. We actually have an AI power advisory. Mm -hmm. So what I would do is I would, would walk you through a series of questions and then give you your profile, okay. basically to analyze your risk profile sure. so that you know, okay, should I really go and start yeah. buying MTN and yeah. assets, yeah. or should I probably just buy funds, or should I just set up for mutual funds with a mix, okay. right? So that is, and what is nice about that is that it's less pressure. See, there are two sides of it. Yes, I want to actually use my money. Mm. Now that's a lot of pressure mm. because I can make a wrong decision. Mm. One of the things we really try to do a much better job of is how do we encourage and facilitate a situation in which people can learn in a realistic form but without taking any risk? So create a set of platforms, mm. all of them powered by they're all API driven. Sure. Where I give you like we have a platform called Grow My Coding. Point of Grow My Coding is to solve this financial inclusion problem. If you ask somebody to go and first of all, all studies show, economic studies show that people are extremely risk averse. Yes. People feel more pain towards loss than gain, right? <laughs> and it's natural. It's completely natural. <laughs> it's just human yeah. nature, right? Yeah. So therefore, we need to solve that thing about. Encourage having people not feel that so much pain or feeling that they are going to the amount of risk that they're going to take, they need to understand it first. So go my principles. So you get a bunch of people you're calling or you do it yourself. And you go in there and you create what is called a simulation of a game. It's a wizard, it walks you through it. You you take you get a pot of money, monopoly money essentially. But the returns you get will be exactly equivalent to if you had used real money. Oh, wow. Yeah, really. Because everywhere we are market vendors, so we, we have the same direct access to the market as Bloomberg versus and the rest of them. So let me give you a simulation as an example. Let's assume we you and I set up a game to make it fun, you know, we both start up with say you and I. And let's assume that um, you say, you know what, I'm going to, I don't want to cast it let's assume I pick a stock that's not very liquid, maybe Ike or something like that. Now, under a non-realistic simulation, 
I could say I'm buying ICO mm-hmm. and I could spend my entire one million buying ICO mm-hmm. for today at this price. Mm-hmm. If I get lucky, maybe ICO moves up maybe with just ten percent and boom and done. But in the real world, though, if I have put that one million to buy ICO, the chances I won't get my entire one million sure. because there's not enough liquidity on that side for somebody wanting to sell. And if I want to sell, I'm not getting any buyers. So in the rudimentary simulation, I just put it and I get it. You get it. Yeah. Okay. But that's not what ours does. Sure. Ours would actually look at the market at that point to look at the bid offers mm. and match it to what is realistic and what is there. Mm. Mm. Which means if you have been a professional trader or a real trader with your real money, okay. yeah. that's what yeah. would have happened. Yeah. So the money real market for uh, fake money. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly yeah. it. It's okay. real market for fake money. Okay. So by the time you experimented with that once or twice, mm. you start to first you start to get a true feel of what's mm. going on. Sure. So you don't like you just put it there and you're sorry, right? I guess it's also educating you know exactly. how to claim. Yes, that's what it you is. know for people like us who are very risk averse. You know, <laughs> definitely. Um, you try. I'll, I'll certainly try. So going straight into we're talking about trends now. We talked about uh, the fintech industry in Nigeria and Africa. How do you guys currently contribute to the broader? Um, growth of the fintech ecosystem? Excellent question. Excellent question. So we have close to 70% market share in terms of the sell side of the equation right now. So that has put us in a rather interesting position. One of the things, um, there's an, uh, one of our bottom members was saying, we need to start looking at not asking people what they want. We need to look at what the industry needs, where the industry is going, and be there before the industry even knows where it's going. And that's kind of a little bit of a responsibility that fintechs as they grow bigger needs to play. We deal with so many customers that we kind of get to see, we can connect the dots as to the kind of uh, situations and problems that they all have. And so, so short form will be, one thing we're doing is we're identifying key problems. Like, it takes too long for an investor to register and trade. So we're working with CSS to bridge that gap. Okay. It takes, it's too expensive to move money to get to investment. Investment money is not purchase and stuff. Mm-hmm. So cap payments and stuff like that are rather expensive. Mm-hmm. So we're working with NIFs and the payment cap companies. So how do we facilitate that and make it easier? So in the linear that has like 10,000 or 20,000 that wants to invest, how do we make it easy? And you know, there's this problem of the, what we might call the impulse buy. Mm-hmm. I want to do something. It takes me two hours, three hours, one day to do it. I forget I'm something else. Yeah. We need to solve that problem. We need to reduce the and doing that thing to literally seconds. Means mm. that was mm. right. Mm. There's that which we're tapping. There are several of them. So I'm going to a little bit. I just mentioned it. Sure. And we're trying. To, we're also working directly with the NSC now to see how can we work together to solve a number of these problems, bring additional liquidity into the system so that people feel more comfortable. The Grow My Money Initiative, actually, for example, is entirely free, by the way. It's meant to make people comfortable. Nobody wants to take the risk of their real money unless they know what they're doing, right? So that's fine. Then the other part is, okay, people will just want comfortable. How do we create an ecosystem that can scale up infinitely more? So these things I'm talking about, like Grow My Goody, Finance Portal, they are all platform-based, they are all APIs. So we want to encourage other fintechs to come in and then build on this platform. When we willing to open source some of our, the code that we have, like the Grow My Goody thing, for example, we're completely willing to open source that. 
to bring in an entire ecosystem that can innovate on top of it. So as a platform, we solve really, really hard problems. Providing market data, making things real time, all of those really hard problems that would have taken somebody else two years to build. But the experiential portion, I don't think we have an monopoly on experience, and I suspect that that's an area where I'm not going to be that good at. That's where the fast moving, quick thinking, innovative venture guys can play. We want to bring those people into this ecosystem and then expand it so that it benefits everybody and we can bring. Um, I achieved the goal of financial inclusion because I'm a member of the FinTech, the SEC FinTech committee, and that was one of the key things that was discussed. That was part of the um, the report that came out and launched just uh, not too long ago. Okay. So we're trying to play our part in that and make that happen. Okay. So what's your perspective on the challenges on mass adoption? So education barrier, customer experience. We've talked about customer experience yeah. and the performance of the market itself. In terms of mass adoption, I think one of the first things again education. Mm -hmm. education and reducing or minimizing a lot of the hindrances and the impedances that stand in people's ways. Mm -hmm. uh, so let me speak for for for, for example. So we're partnering with um, universities. Mm -hmm. It's critical. We need to have the younger generation understand this and not see that and early enough to exactly I don't think investors we are completely happy and willing to partner with anybody. Yeah. We, we um, currently, for example, we, we partner with a panel at the university. Okay. So we have this professional protocol in market at the time, and I'll say, people in market at the time, and I say, research tool, real time analytics research. We have data points across all African countries, currencies, and stuff like that. So, panel at the university is going to incorporate that into their curriculum. For their, both for their faculty mm -hmm. and for their students. Mm -hmm. The idea is there is that, okay, look, I'm sure everybody here, we all know this, we, employment and employers have this challenge, and it's a worldwide problem where you, you bring people in and you realize they really don't have the skills, yeah. right? Yeah. So why don't we try and solve that problem? By enabling the institutions, and this is something that we're really passionate about, working with universities and even lower um, level yeah. right? So that students right from the get-go are better prepared for the workforce. Mm -hmm. Not just also know what they're talking about, not in some sort of theoretical yeah. stuff, in a practical but also in a practical way. Yeah. The day they walk out of that school, they already have a range of skills. Mm -hmm a range of skills that an employer immediately finds valuable and useful. Yeah. And it will make the student themselves far more confident. Mm. They understand the world the way the world should be, mm. not just the way they think it, mm. it is, mm. right? Mm. So these are the things that we're doing. Mm. That's one of the reasons why I talk about like that program I is making even open source such that yeah, it's something to Because when we do that, right, then, you see, we know in economic terms, right, that it's not just like if you, in a community, if you take 10 data and put it into an economy, it has this ripple effect. Sure. The true ripple effect of that 10 data may end up in a hundred. Sure. And in my view, the biggest companies in the world today, they are never the ones that sell things that are worth a million dollars a pop. It's things that sell the smallest amount yeah. of things. Yeah. Look at Facebook. They sell tiny little things that yeah. Google sends, right? Yeah. So, I want us, I want us to build this ecosystem that's big. We have a population of 200 million. What's the participation level? In the banks, for example, it's about 40 million, mm -hmm. right? Total bank accounts. ATN alone has over 40 million subscribers. Yeah. 
In the capital markets, we have less than 200,000 active accounts that are working. Imagine if you can raise that to just a million, even if the size of transactions they do is much smaller. The reverberating effects is just going to be absolutely beyond what you can imagine right now. Great. How do you currently help your clients tap into the advantages of data? Data is getting increasingly important, and we are now getting to the phase where we want to start really matching at it. In our case, we, we, we are seeing an amount of data, like all the stuff okay. I talked about, yeah. Roman and all that yeah. stuff, is a mountain of data that we want to surface. We want to work with other fintechs. So instead of them trying to build this body of data all starting from scratch again, why don't you just harness it? what we have already. Because we have a platform API yeah. that enables you to do that. Yeah. And we have a number of our customers and a number of others that yeah. are using that platform API to right now create products, yeah. analytics, yeah. that can tell you, because you can use it to measure risk, for example. Let's assume I have a comparison. I want to buy either MTN or Access. Which one should I buy? Well, you might have to use the data on the line data to calculate what's their risk factor, right? What's their data? What's their productivity rate compared to, say, a metric, which maybe the ASI does in all shares and stuff like that? Mm. That's, those are all data points right now that we have that we need to surface. Previously, though, people tended to invest based on gut instead. That's another thing that algorithm is supposed to reduce the emotional effect, use data. Because emotions are good, but they are not necessarily very trustworthy. Yeah. It's best for you to use data first. Mm. Now your choice is to use your data. Then you use gold. That makes that sense. Great. Great. Thank you. Um, what has your approach been in making this entry to this particular sector? The, the painter for the... Well, so more, uh, more the corporate. So more the corporate space. Uh -huh. Okay. So in the B2B space, right, it's operations or the lead time is much longer to get in for you to convince the corporations to pass their money usually you consider it big money it takes there's a lot of levers and a lot of decisions and um, the impulse play is not as high sure right and then they need to be confident confident and you're yeah. going to be around the next day yes that's another yes. challenge that fintechs actually yeah. smaller fintechs have and it's very difficult maybe the smaller fintechs to understand it Initially, because I had that problem at one stage. Say, look, this is clearly good. Why can't you see it? Just make a decision, mm -hmm. use it. Yeah. But in the corporation, they, that's not exactly where they think. They, they, are, they are extremely focused on stability. Even now, for us, the, when the, the bigger you go, the bigger they are, mm -hmm. the more they are very thinking yes. about yes. stability. They want to see your financial records, they want to see your, that you're going to be around the next day. And that not only that, though, that do you have the R&D capability to continue to invest literally on their behalf? Because everybody knows this, that if you stay started, the next day something will come out of the blue and then boom, you're yeah. gone. So it's at the B2B space, and actually I guess everywhere, it's really a partnership. You have to see that's a partnership, as in, that's a long-term relationship. Mm -hmm. You have to build the relationships, you have to continue to massage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and interact in that relationship. You have to understand where they're going. Yeah. On a usual daily basis, we hold a user's conference where we try and bring our customers together and we also have some mini sessions with the CIO level people. We bring them together and show them like over the next six months, what are we going to be doing? What are we looking at doing? What is their core challenge and what they think they would like us to be doing? Okay, so to take your hypothesis, we okay. talked about 
technology, we talked about trends, and uh, let's talk general now. Okay. And predictions. <laughs> uh -oh. um, so speaking of predictions, what was the last prediction you got wrong? <laughs> Is that an open-ended question? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of it happened. <laughs> I don't know how to answer it, but let me, let me answer it in a slightly different way and say that what we don't realize is that close to 8 out of 10 things we do don't work. <laughs> yeah. And it hasn't stopped you, which is good. Absolutely not. Which is you, good. you just realize that's not going to work. Okay, let's move on, let's to, the move next on to the next one. Yeah. yeah. The idea that somehow you get it right most of the time. Is try, try, try again. Yeah. Yeah. Eight, I, um, that's just eight. Close to that's the pattern I believe. Eight of so the thing, the reason why it doesn't look like so bad failures and that we're not that bad is that you never get to know yes. that it didn't come out. Yeah. Right now, those two that come out after a while, most likely will play. So even one or two of them might still fail. Mm -hmm. that, that ratio. Mm -hmm. so what's one view you seem to find very few people agree on? In our ecosystem, sometimes there's too much pessimism and too much cynicism. It doesn't help. No matter how there's, there's what it is, right? We all know what it is. It is there already. Sometimes I believe it's best to understand what it is, accept it, right? And then decide what are you going to do next instead of focusing too much. On the negative. On the negative. Because I think they really doesn't take you that far. Mm. It's not and I think sometimes people when I'm talking about they tend to see that okay, maybe I'm being too optimistic, mm. I'm being too glossy in the way that I say well. Mm. I believe I'm learning to accept the world for what it is. Mm. And you know what I mean, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not that I want to be part of whatever sure. I don't necessarily yeah. like, but it is what it is. It's just fact. Sure. Like it. I mean, fact yeah. driven, data driven person. Mm -hmm. What is the fact? Okay, mm -hmm. now that's fact. Mm -hmm. Is there something I can do about it? Can I move around it? Can I move under it? Can I move above it? Mm -hmm. Move on to that space. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we think, oh, you haven't even acknowledged, you haven't, <laughs> you want to deliberate all this okay. stuff. So that's, to me, it makes me feel better when I'm looking at the word nest, right? Yeah. I'm looking at what is, which is mostly negative, but anyways, or maybe negative. Yeah. It's a good mindset. Normally what we do is the last interview mm -hmm. gives a question to the next interview, not knowing who the next interview <laughs> is going to um, be. So we had um, Oari Ahumar. Um, Oari is the CEO of OPL Academy. And they're very big in um, upskilling construction workers. So her question to you is: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what does change mean to you? I think they, we need to create an economy that works for everybody. We need to make sure that young people uh, feel a part of it and they can grow in this. And uh, to make that happen, and I'll say that one, I like to I like to reduce that impedance that prevents and stops people from investing. The world we've gone into is that, is that look, we the past was that people essentially, maybe our generation, we took care of our parents and stuff like yeah. that. The world that increasingly going into that people need to figure out a way to take care of themselves for yeah. now for into the future. So a savings culture really needs to not really a savings culture, an investment culture needs to be created 
for everybody's well-being. Otherwise, there's going to be trouble down the road. If you don't start it now, you don't start saving when you're 50. So again, it'll be a little bit too late for that. So the change I'd like to see is, okay, creating a structure and a system or an entire ecosystem that encourages that and starts to make it happen now. Let us solve these problems now before we try and solve it down the road when it's really going when to be much more expensive or way too late to solve that. Especially when it comes to the capital market. Because you can save all you want, but chances are 90% are never going to save enough for them to retire. Even if they are worth earning, right? What do you get here is investment. And I'm not saying that because I work in the capital market. I'm saying that because that's economical. From simple economics, that's just the fact. So at the experience center, I can say that um, disruption is interrelated. And in that respect, what's one perspective you'd like to get from our next interviewee? My question is simple, a little bit uh, simple and abstract, which is how we all need to learn from each other, right? So how do you learn and how do you adapt? How do you do that quickly enough? and still carry people along. See, change is very hard. Change is really, really hard. So we're talking thinkers. One thing we need to go into the whole management of the process itself. We have a team, right? And as humans, we are creatures of habit. Yeah. And we want to we gravitate towards certain comfort zones. Meanwhile, what fintech does is say you cannot have a comfort zone. Uh, how do you learn to learn? How do you learn to be continuously adaptive? How do you learn, not just you, but how do you create culture within your ecosystem that change is the norm? Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I found this uh, very insightful. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Bye.